Hello and welcome to the On The Money podcast with me, Chloe, and my close friend, Shren. We'd all agree that having a handle on your personal finances is an important life skill. But as we've been going through some of life's key milestones ourselves, we found out firsthand that personal finance has become inaccessible and too complicated, meaning it's not always easy to keep on top of your finances. By drawing on our own experience and through lots of research, our aim is to demystify the world of finance and empower you to achieve your own financial goals. In this episode, we're going to be talking about savings. Everyone knows it's important to save, but often the reality is it's just not something we prioritise, and so we feel like we could always be doing more. Today we're going to be discussing some of the different savings products out there, how they work, and why they might be useful in different scenarios. Before we get started guys, anything we discuss in this podcast are our own thoughts and opinions and are not in any way to be considered financial advice. We recommend you seek help from a financial advisor if that's what you're looking for. So Shren, I feel like now I know kind of what savings are and um, why it makes sense to save, but in terms of how I actually go about doing it, um, where do I save my money, Like, what are my options, could you help me through that? Sure, so once you've got into your saving habit, um, the next kind of step is to think about actually, am I putting my money in the right place for what I'm trying to do? And um, by this I mean there are various savings accounts that banks and building societies have um, and they offer um, different interest rates and we'll cover what interest rates are and they have different um, requirements. Um, So you kind of need to understand all of the different elements of it to make the right decision in terms of where you're going to put your money. Um, So the idea, so if we talk about savings accounts, the majority of them are held with sort of banks and building societies. And what happens is you put your money into a savings account once you've opened it. And um, the bank basically gives you um, an interest rate, basically. So it pays you an interest rate on the money that you have in your account. So say, for example, I've put £100 into my savings account and the bank will pay me a proportion of that every month. Um, Almost as like a little thank you for giving them them my money, basically. But the real reason behind them just saying thank you for the money is that what they're doing with that money is using your savings money to lend out and sort of fund their other businesses. So that money they might um, lend to a borrower and... um, and because of that, they are paying you um, the interest rate. I guess it sounds quite generous to say that they're like, yeah, they're giving you a little thank you. But actually, they're probably charging the person that they're lending the money to a higher rate of interest than they're paying you on yeah. your deposit. Which is, in theory, or sort of in short, that's how banks make money, or how retail banks make money. Mm-hmm. They pay savers less than they charge borrowers yeah and just to clarify as well sort of when we said um they use your money to lend to other people it's hypothetical in the sense that the cash they used to lend to other people your savings are still in that bank account and if you wanted to withdraw it you could do that at any point um I guess the interest rate is just an incentive for you to keep it in for longer because the longer you keep that money in, the more interest you're going to sort of earn, basically. It's a good point that you make, though, because um, if uh, there was a a run on the banks, as it were, um, as happened with Northern Rock some years ago, if everyone tried to take their money out, there would be a problem. Yeah. Um, Because of the fact that they do lend out, you know, they hold high enough reserves that when they lend out 
money to other people there's enough in there to for most people to be able to get their money out anytime yeah but actually if it if it everyone were to go and get out at the same time it wouldn't work yeah um but it's certainly not like a risk that you need to worry about when you're thinking about your uh your savings unless the bank is about to go insolvent <laughs> yeah absolutely and 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 we kind of covered this but sort of the um f scs protection also protects your deposits so even at the point that maybe a bank um does sort of go bust you still are protected which is why sort of savings um are viewed as um lower risk and maybe even risk-free basically and actually the um fc i can't get the acronym right now the financial services compensation scheme fscs yeah um is funded by levy on banks so they have to pay because by, by regulation they have to pay an amount every year towards it um so that's kind of always going to be there oh okay i actually didn't know that yeah, yeah. so they're obliged to do every year yeah. cool um so the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is that um obviously the interest is money that you're making um so on the hundred pounds you're getting an extra little bit of money for putting your money in the savings account let's say a pound yeah let's say yeah. a pound um but actually as we, as you would pay um, sort of tax on other income that you're earning, you've also got to pay tax on the income that you're earning from your savings. So that's something to consider. However, having said that, you don't pay any tax until you're earning more than a thousand pounds. So in interest, in interest, yes, yeah. in interest. Um, so it's just worth it's just worth um, thinking about and being aware of, especially when we talk about some of the other other types of savings accounts. And I suppose we'll probably do another episode on on tax. But the reason, um, the amount of uh, tax that you will pay on the interest that you earn depends on what you earn in income and from investments and what your total level of income is. Um, for some people, they might pay no. Um, if you're not earning money, you have allowances that mean you don't have to pay um, tax true. on your interest um, at all up to a point. So, um, so it does vary per person. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, so if, if we, if we go into the different types of savings accounts, so the first one, um, you've kind of got these easy access, um, savings accounts and it kind of, as with all of these, says what it does on the tin. Um, you can does access... Does what it says on the tin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of says what it, it. Does on the tin. <laughs> Um, does what it says on the tin yeah yeah finally got there um so easy access uh, savings accounts basically you can access your money at any point um with no restriction and because of that um the interest rate that you get on these will be very sort of um they'll, they'll be the lowest that you see in the market and the reason behind that is because you have the flexibility um to go in and out of that pot of money however you want and you'll see that as as the banks restrict the sort of flexibility you have with accessing your money they will be willing to pay you more in interest um because they know for like you won't access that money for a fixed period of time or there's some restrictions so um that's why they're willing to pay you a little bit more for having your money in that and so one of also the main reasons as to why you would have um a instant access savings account that doesn't pay you anything or a very the pays you a very low amount over a current account as well. Um, it's because of fraud risk. So if you have all your money in your current account, if you're paid into that, you don't put your money anywhere else. If someone steals your debit card and withdraws money very quickly or makes large payments, there's nothing that can really be done about that. Um, 
if you have a savings account, it just spreads out where your money is. Mm. So that's sort of the risk of fraud is much lower because if someone finds a debit card on the street, they can only do so much with it um, if you don't have a high balance in that account as well. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Chloe, you mentioned current accounts. Um, Can you just give me a bit of an idea of what they are? Yeah, absolutely. So your current account is probably the one that you're most likely to already have. Um, It's the one that you would get paid into if... if, um, you're earning a salary and it's essentially your instant access account that you use for your day-to-day spending. So you might have like a debit card associated with that that you use for your spending or also a credit card. Um, it might also have an overdraft and it's kind of just your your daily spending account. Um, and as I kind of mentioned, there are benefits to moving money away from that just because because someone has if someone got a debit card then there are sort of fraud risk associated with that Mm -hmm. so it is a bit different from a savings account and you wouldn't really want to keep any of your medium to long-term savings sitting in your current account because you probably earn zero interest on it um normally because of the fact that it's day-to-day um accessible and you get the benefits of things like a card they don't pay you any interest Mm -hmm. so you don't want to leave too much sign there I guess practically sort of why why would you use an easy access um account Um, if it's not going to pay you as much as maybe some of the other accounts. Um, The reason is, for things like emergency funds, you want to be able to get into your money as soon as you have an emergency. Um, And so it's those kind of reasons that you might set up a easy access um, savings account. Makes sense. Um, So the second type of account I want to talk about was notice accounts. Um, So the sort of idea behind this is that you give the bank um, a predefined period of notice before you access your money so depending on the type of account it might be that the restriction is that you have to give them 30 days of notice and it can go all the way up to 120 days of notice um and so this this obviously sort of because they have that sort of i guess a bit of buffer time you give them notice and they know that you're gonna sort of take your money out in 30 days they're again willing to pay you slightly more interest than they would have done on an easy access account Um, And for this type of account, I would um, maybe use it for goals that you're saving up for. Maybe if, um, I don't know, if you're saving up for Christmas presents and you know, actually, I don't need to take it out for another three months. um, It's a good way to earn that little bit of extra interest and um, prevent yourself from sort of dipping into it. It sort of prevents you from having those impulse impulse moments where you're like I just want to really buy this right now um (laughs) but actually you need to give the bank 30 days or plus notice um in that period of time often that impulse um in you wanting to buy that is sort of thought through or sort of reduces basically so that's quite good Mm. um and then the third one is a regular saver account so um the idea behind this is that you save regularly a set amount of money um, for a set period of time. And um, so, for example, it might be that the the restriction on the account is that you can only save up to £50 a month and that you can only save for um, a year. And um, these kind of vary. The amount that you can save every month varies depending on the account and the sort of period of time that you can save also varies. But the again, the idea behind this is that they can kind of predict what money's coming in and how long it's going to be in their form. Um, and again, sort of this will be a higher interest rate than the previous two. And I guess the reason that they um, restrict the amount you can put in every month 
is partly because these accounts typically pay a high level of interest, but you just can't benefit that much from it if you can only save in a certain amount every month. But they're certainly worth like doing a few of them, maximising them. And they're also quite easy because um, to one of our earlier points, the more you can automate these things, the better. Yeah. Um, so if you set it up, say, take a, take £50 out of my account every month for a year, you kind of set it up and you can forget about it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes to the point that you had said in the previous episode um, around having different pots for different um, savings. It just sort of spreads out the money. Um, and then you can have sort of different purposes for different um, these different accounts. Um, and I guess on, on a similar point around um, sort of limiting how much you can put into account by giving a higher rate of interest, um, the final account I want to talk about was fixed rate accounts. So that is um, basically you put in a lump sum of money at, um, at the point that you open the account and then they guarantee to give you a interest rate um, after sort of a year or two or whatever the time horizon is there. And um, again, you are earning much higher interest rates um, on this. So close to sort of, um, I'd say five, 5% yeah. um, on sort of fixed rate um, savings accounts um, versus an easy access, which I think is around 0.75% at the moment. Um, so you're earning sort of significantly more interest on that. But the restriction is that you have to put a lump sum in and they usually specify what that lump sum is and you can only take that lump sum out after a certain period of time. So um, I recently opened um, a fixed rate savings account because I had some savings that I was saving towards a house deposit that I know I'm not going to need for another year. And so it was a really good thing for me to do because... Um, I've kind of locked it away and I'm getting my money's working for me a bit harder in that because I'm earning say 5% as opposed to if I had that in an easy access account one I'd be really tempted to spend it on holiday <laughs> and two um, the interest rate I'd be getting would be much less and with the fixed rate one am I right in thinking that you what if you could you take the money out if you really needed it or is it like um, I believe that you can take the money out if you really needed it, but you get penalised yeah, for you it, basically. The, yeah. I know with the regular saver, you can take it out if you need to, but you just lose the extra interest. Yeah. Um, there are definitely some fixed rate uh, bonds that that you can't get the money back for a year. So it's just worth looking into the details of like, if you if the, an emergency happened and you really needed it, obviously you'd hopefully have your emergency fund. Yeah. But if you didn't, um, as to whether you're not, you actually you can get that back and you just get the penalty or whether it's not at all. Absolutely, yeah, definitely worth double checking that. Um, so these are all the sort of savings accounts. Um, and like I said, if you are earning more than a thousand pounds in sort of interest, um, re- sort of interest basically, um, you will sort of, experience tax on this earnings depending on your other situations but generally um there are ways to get around that and that's with um ISAs which are individual savings accounts and these are basically tax-free ways to save um if you're saving into an ISA you are not um you basically don't have to pay uh, income tax on um, income tax or capital gains tax on any of the sort of earnings you make from that account um so that's great yeah, <laughs> no one likes exactly. tax <laughs> no, and I, you know i think to some of we've talked about compound interest before on this podcast but um 
the, the power of whether you're in, investing because um, with an ISA you can either have a cash ISA or a stocks and shares ISA we're going to focus mainly on cash ISAs today but either way if you're earning either through interest or gains if you're investing um, not having to pay tax really amplifies the, the power of compounding and can be very beneficial over particularly over the long term yeah absolutely no one likes tax <laughs> um, so I mean there's a few things to note about um, ISAs Basically, you can save um, a maximum amount every year into your ISAs. Um, And for the sort of April, so this ISA cycle goes from April to April. So for example, from April 2018 to April 2019, um, the ISA allowance was 20,000. So you can save up to 20,000 pounds into these accounts without paying tax so it kind of makes sense to start with an ISA um, and sort of maximize um, your gains in terms of not being taxed um, and then think about some of these other accounts Um, but equally um, as with all of the other accounts there are they do come with some certain restrictions and um, you kind of need to think about that and sort of think about what the best sort of um, solution for you and your money is. I guess one of those would be that you can only contribute to one ISA a year yeah um one cash ISA a year yes. you can also contribute to one stocks and shares ISA a year and so you can't just open lots and lots of them to get around that problem you can only contribute to one um it's worth looking out for things like help to buy ISAs for example you might forget that that is also an ISA mm. and so you can't have that and a cash ISA on top of that because they are both cash ISAs it's worth looking out for things like that um, yeah but, you know, you can say £20,000 a year into these things. And if you contribute to one throughout the year, you know, you're unlikely to reach that limit anyway. So they, they can be very beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so you've already mentioned the help to buy ISA. So we have sort of different types of ISAs. Basically, you've got sort of the easy access ISA, very similar to an easy access savings account. You can get in and out of the money. Um, sort of fixed ISAs, um, basically your money's kind of fixed um and then there's other ISAs like the help to buy which um has sort of incentives for first-time house buyers um lifetime ISAs there, there, there's a lot of lot of different types of ISAs and we can maybe do a sort of a dedicated episode on these um but yeah it's it's worth sort of bearing some of that in mind I suppose the reason that we care about all of this and that we care about um ISAs and you know opening accounts that are more likely to get us more interest um is because if you don't earn any interest on your on your money then the effect of inflation can actually erode the power of your wealth mm-hmm. um so what we mean by that is if you have a um if you have a pot of money so you have 100 pounds and you just put it under your mattress the price of stuff you want to buy um so you know general goods you know the chocolate bar in the corner shop or whatever it might be <laughs> goes up over time um as the economy grows and that's known as inflation but your £100 isn't growing. Mm. So over time, perhaps your £100 could buy you 100 chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. But actually, in 10 years, it might only buy you 50 chocolate bars, to use an extreme example. Yeah. Um, and so for that reason, you know, you want to be putting your money to work. And we've discussed why often investing is the answer to that, because interest doesn't always... Uh, interest isn't always higher than inflation. And so sometimes you don't really get enough leaving it in the cash account. Sometimes it does, but not always. Um, and so for, so for that reason, you want to at least be doing something with it. If you, even if you don't want to be investing it or you can't afford to invest all of it, 
you want it to be doing something to at least go some way to help protect you from that impact of inflation. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I, I think it's also worth noting that in cer- certain situations, you probably don't care as much about the interest that you're getting as opposed to just the fact of having the money to hand. So um, emergency funds is one example. So you want that to be, you want to be able to get into that. So the interest that they're charging you for me personally, doesn't really make that much of a difference because I need to get the debt money. But there's also certain things where you're like, actually, I'm saving for a house, and if I can, if I can get my money to go further for that deposit, then I'm definitely going to do it. So it's it really depends on sort of why you're saving that little bit of money, and you've got to kind of make those kind of decisions based on that. Hmm. Um, I fully understand also at the moment that like interest rates are really low. I definitely know people who are like it's only like it's less than one percent i just can't really be bothered mm. but like given how easy it is nowadays to be able to open an account and move money between accounts it just makes sense to to just get every little bit you can yeah like you know for a little bit of hassle it's essentially free money and i mm. know some people will have um some people are much more diligent about like moving money around to take advantage of different um uh offers because that's actually something else that um some accounts do is like if you move your money to a certain account they'll pay you a higher rate of interest for say the first year Mm. um and after that it gets smaller again some people are really good about like when that that interest rate lowers they'll move it to a different account and keep moving around to take advantage of that but other people say well like time is money i can't really be bothered to be doing this yeah um but i think technology makes it so easy nowadays that the more we can take advantage of any interest rate it's just worthwhile doing yeah absolutely and you kind of mentioned sort of um looking at different accounts and stuff like that so can you sort of explain to me how um how you go about comparing those different accounts basically yeah absolutely so um a few years ago um the government bought in something called the annual equivalent rate you might have seen it on like um often it's in on a sort of leaflet it's like that you get at the bank that say like AER for example or just like when you're comparing rates online to use a much more modern example um yeah. that, that just helps you compare across different accounts because the reason for this is like if you had um to the example I just gave if you had an account that paid you like you know three percent say for the first year which is quite high at the moment and then after that it trails down to like 0.2 you know, they, they put that 3% in big numbers and say, you know, this is what you're going to get. And it's easy to think that's what I'm going to get for the long term. And you might see another one that says, okay, 1% forever. And you look at three compared to one and say, well, the three seems a lot better, but actually you're not really accounting for the fact that after a year, it's going to drop to a much lower rate. So the idea of an annual equivalent rate is to show you the percentage interest rate you would get if you put your money in an account at the start of the year and then just left it there and it just averages it out per year. So the reason they do that is to take advantage of things like teaser rates, first of all. So that's mm-hmm. kind of that example of paying a higher rent rate for the first six months, say, than a lower rate for the second six months. It will average those out and account for how much you're actually getting. Mm-hmm. But the other thing it, um, it does is if you have some accounts that say pay interest per year, let's say you have £100 in an account and they pay 2% a year and they give you that at the end of the year, then you get £2. If they don't pay it at the end of the year, if they pay it, say, twice a year, so once in the middle and then once again at the end, you earn interest on your original interest. So if you had a 2% account but it pays monthly, you actually end up with more than a 2% account that pays yearly. And again, the annual equivalent rate would adjust to account for that. So it would tell you the actual rate you're getting when you look over the whole year. And it makes it much easier to compare between different accounts. 
definitely makes sense to always like it's a requirement for banks to show that number now Mm -hmm. so i would always search for that number and try and avoid any of the headline teaser rates for example yeah um because it's much easier to compare across accounts that way and make sure you're getting the best deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really useful to know. And it's just nice that you have a single way to assess two bank accounts that maybe have the same like characteristics in terms of sort of the flexibility that they offer and then very clearly be able to say, actually, this one is going to be do better for me than this one. Mm, and making it more transparent just makes the market more competitive as well. Yeah. So it's, it's good for us in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And so what were your three takeaways from this session? Yeah, so I was actually really pleasantly surprised by the um, the allowances for firstly for saving into your ISA and secondly for the £1,000 um, tax-free uh, interest that you can that you can earn on your um, accounts. Because as you were saying, I was just thinking like, do I pay tax on my interest that I earn on my savings? And obviously like, I don't because I don't earn more than a thousand, but I hadn't even it hadn't even occurred to me that that was a thing. Mm. Um, so so that I think they're pretty good, and actually it makes sense to take advantage of like the the ISA allowance currently twenty thousand a year um, for this tax year, and I think definitely makes sense to take advantage of those. And um, I, you know I think that they're relatively generous allowances. Um, my second takeaway was that it seems that whatever your savings needs are there are different accounts to help meet those goals um so if as you as your example you know you wanted to save some money for a deposit and you wanted to put that money to work you knew you weren't going to need it immediately there's kind of a specific account that is almost designed for that to type your money for a little bit longer but still be quite safe um, or very safe and, and a, earn a higher rate of interest but then equally there's you know accounts that are much more suitable for your emergency funds and there's sort of everything in between as well mm. um you know, there are accounts if you want to put a lump sum in at the start that, that, that can do that, others that you can save more regularly. It just seems like whatever your goal is, there's probably something out there that's well tailored to you. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just a case of, you know, doing a little bit of time investment up front to figure out which ones are going to be best for your situation. And then then you can just leave it alone, really. It seems like a little, it's a bit like with budgeting, a bit of upfront time investment reaps rewards um, mm. over the longer term. And I think the last one was that um, uh, the annual equivalent rate point. I think that is so helpful just to compare across different accounts. Um, you know, I think I can't imagine what it must have been like a few years ago when that didn't exist because, you know, it's so easy to get drawn in by these teaser rates and actually something that is like industry standard. It's probably quite a rarity and just really, really useful um, to be able to sort of make sure you're getting the most out of your money. Yeah, and be able to compare like for like without having to do the maths behind it, which is, yeah, no one wants I want to do that. Do that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the On The Money podcast with Chloe and Shren. If you liked our show, please rate it, review it. And if you want to find out more, check out our Instagram page at on the underscore money.